Hey you, you're listening to episode 116 of the Keto Diet Podcast, and today we're chatting about realizing sugar is a problem and what to do about it, the process of ditching sugar, and whether or not stevia causes cancer, plus so much more. This episode is actually an older episode that I'm resharing because it's the holidays, and I'm sure many of you are being tempted by sweet treats and you're not really sure what to do with it or you're terrified of the holidays season and it is upon us and you just need some help. We get so many questions about this that I thought digging through the archives and finding this episode may be super helpful and you never know. Even if you listen to this episode in the past, you may pull different stuff from it than you did the first time you listened. I got one cool thing for you today before we get started, and that is that if you enjoy these podcasts and you're like, yeah, I feel so motivated, I learned so much, my online membership program, Happy Keto Body, is 12 weeks of all of that and so much more. We cover every topic under the sun, answer your questions, and really dig deep into all things health, hormones, weight loss, and keto. And if you don't already know, Happy Keto Body includes information, tips, and advice from Dr. Nina Lewis-Larsen. She's a certified naturopathic doctor, and she shows up each week inside Happy Keto Body to share her expert advice. If that sounds like something you can get behind, then get ready because we're opening the doors for Happy Keto Body in just a couple of weeks. Head on over to happyketobody.com to get on the list so you can be one of the first to know when registration opens. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. From television, print, and billboard ads to social media and internet marketing, making you feel less than is a billion-dollar industry. You won't find that here. And if you're struggling to make sense of the truth that you are so much more than good enough, I'd like to help. My 21-day Whole Keto Challenge is open for registration, and as a listener of the show, you'll receive 20% off this daily coaching program with the coupon code KETONOW at checkout. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash whole, use the code KETONOW for your 20% off. Whole Keto complements your healthy keto lifestyle so you can repair your relationship with your body and start living your joy now. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of HappyKetoBody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Today's podcast extra can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E116. Our guest today is Ryan P. Lowry, a 2014 national champion baseball player who earned his BS and MS in exercise physiology and exercise and nutrition science from the University of Tampa. Ryan is currently the president of the Applied Science and Performance Institute and is completing his PhD in health and human performance at Concordia University. Over his career, Ryan has published over 100 papers, abstracts, and book chapters on human performance and sports nutrition and is heavily focused on the impact of ketogenic diets and exogenous ketones on performance, cognitive function, and longevity. Ryan has received the Exercise Science Scholar of the Year Award, NSCA Award for Outstanding Presentation of the Year Award, and most recently, the National AAH PERD Exercise Science Major of the Year Award. Ryan and his business partner, Dr. Jacob Wilson, have launched their book, The Ketogenic Bible, which focuses on the science and practical application behind the ketogenic diet, exogenous ketones, and all of their potential applications. Today's interview is one of my favorites. Ryan is just such a fun guy to be around and to chat with. And he and I have a very similar relationship to sugar in that we really, 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 really loved sugar. And we still deal with sugar cravings even now. and how we do that on a ketogenic diet and some tips and tricks for you guys. So without further ado, let's cut over to this interview. Hey, Ryan, how's it going today? Hey, Leanne, it's going amazing. How are you? I'm so good. And I'm really happy that you're back on the show with us today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to be on. I'm glad we were talking a little bit about travel. I'm so glad that you wrapped up your book stuff. And I'm glad to be back in Tampa, back in the saddle and rested and recovered. 
Yeah, it's so important. I missed home so badly, which is interesting because home is also traveling. But when you're traveling for work, it's just different than just being on the road traveling. It's just totally different. Exactly. Um, For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself if they missed our first episode? Yeah, for sure. So um, my name is Ryan Lowry, and I am the president and co-founder of the Applied Science and Performance Institute here in Tampa. And a little bit of my background, we did a lot of research and work in academics. So I grew up uh, an athlete, was always interested in athletics and human performance, but I always had this really a vast interest in not just athletes, but every every person and how they can optimize their potential. I think everyone has a huge amount of potential and we we very rarely tap into it. And for me it was a lot to deal with my family. Uh I have a, a lot of family members who have autoimmune diseases and overweight and obesity tends to run uh prevalent in my family. So my goal in life was how do I find and optimize performance and different things for them and make sure that they're living their best lives and then they can go on and help inspire other people. And I did my undergraduate and master's at the University of Tampa in exercise nutrition science. And then I co-founded and created the Applied Science and Performance Institute after I was done there with my business partner now, Dr. Jacob Wilson. And our ultimate mission and goal with ASPI is really to change lives through science and innovation. And we, we saw that in academics that a lot of times when you have these scientists and you have these people publishing tons and tons of information and articles, it's unfortunate because the only other people that can understand them are other scientists and other academics. And if you really want to institute a change and make something uh, effective in this world and help impact a lot of people, you have to make it understandable. And that's why I love, love, love your podcast. Absolutely love your book because you take the science, you take uh, a lot of this information and stuff that you've applied every day in your life and now you relay it and make it understandable and digestible for everyone to take into their lives and utilize it. So it's an, it's an honor to be on here. Oh, thanks, Ryan. I'm blushing. And I feel the exact same way about you. Um, you know, reading through your book, and kind of piecing things together. You're so great at just hear all the facts made really, really easy for everyone to understand. And you can just make up your own decision. And that's something that I try to do as well is like, let's just give the information to the people and they can decide what they want to do with it. (laughs) Exactly. Empowering them, empowering them with the tools that they can go and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to use this tool, this tool, this tool. I have this entire toolbox at my disposal and I'm going to apply it whichever way it best is best for my life. Mm -hmm. So let's hone in on the tools and specifically sugar because it sounds like you and I had very very similar upbringings with sugar so why don't you start by telling us you know how you grew up your relationship with sugar and how you kind of got to keto that way <laughs> oh man so i uh i come from a very italian family and it was it was interesting so growing up I, we would have a lot of family functions and you know dinner was it'd be good like it would be a nice home cooked meal but what everyone would look forward to is the dessert and and my mom was and she still is the most incredible incredible cook and 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 baker and so she loves baking cookies and sweets and cakes and you name it, she she would make it, especially around the holidays. And so I would eat a little dinner and then just like load up on all these desserts. Uh, so I had a huge, huge, huge sweet tooth. Uh, in fact, when I was in college, it was funny. A lot of my friends would get like care packages from their their parents and they'd get like food or, or gift cards to the grocery store. And my mom and dad would send me like five pound bags of sweetest fish. And I'd be like, yes, this is the best day ever <laughs> because I'd have so much candy because I just ate it all the time. And it, it literally – Looking back on it, it really was like this addiction. It was this addiction to these sweets that just reinforced over and over and over again. And it was like I'd I'd come back to my dorm room and take handfuls upon handfuls of sweetest fish and gummy worms and starboard and all these different things just constantly throughout the day. And I didn't even realize at the time what I was doing to my body. 
Back to today's episode in a sec. Some people choose to do plant-based keto and others do carnivore-based keto. I'd like to think I'm somewhere in the middle loving meat and plants. I thrive on the right kind of animal protein, protein from healthy animals, animals that get treated fairly, have happy lives on pasture, and are raised ethically. That's why I choose to eat grass-fed and finished beef, free-range chicken, and heritage-bred pork. I'm so happy I can get these options from ButcherBox, a meat subscription service I've used since 2016. Listeners of the show get $20 off your first order, plus free bacon in your first box, plus free shipping. Head on over to butcherbox.com slash keto diet to get your instant savings. If you're unsure of the link, simply check out today's show notes for all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. That's so scary and something that I can relate to so heavily. My parents were really, really into healthy eating. And so my mom on Fridays, we'd have, I think it was like free treat Fridays where she would let us pick one sugary treat that she'd hide in the house. But I mean, there are only so many places you can hide treats and I always found them. And so then it became this like binge cycle of, I'm not allowed to have these sweets. I want to eat these sweets. So when I found them, I would eat all of them. And that started this really unhealthy relationship with sugar. And when I was around it, I would just always just eat everything very similar to yours, like just handfuls. And I would sandwich different ones together. And I was known as like the candy sandwich person. I would make these big sandwich things of candy and just eat them all. It was disgusting. And you're very right. It was very much an addiction. And I think for me, it was an addiction to that, that feeling that I got when I had sugar, you know, I'm a rebel. So I really like breaking the rules and I was breaking the rules and having the sugar and, you know, that sort of thing. And I think so many people can relate to that. So here we are, we're, you know, maybe age 10 to age 20 something eating all this sugar. What was the switch for you? When did you realize, oh my gosh, what am I doing to my body? Did you realize that or how was that process? Yeah, you know, so when I, the funny thing is, so I played baseball all throughout college and we won the national championship my, my junior year. And then after that, I had to make a very difficult decision. I was like, well, do I continue playing on and chase this dream for baseball or do I go after my passion um, in the science realm and really focus on academics? And I had a lot of internal conflicts. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go after this science passion. Like, I really feel like I can help uh, inspire a lot of people and empower others by doing this. And I really had this vision of creating ASPI a long, long, long time ago. And so I did that. And the minute I stopped playing baseball is the minute my metabolism completely changed. And so I was that kid when I was playing sports in college, I could eat handfuls of Swedish fish and I didn't gain any weight at all. Nothing like it didn't matter what I ate. I could eat horribly and I didn't gain any weight. And people were like, man, you got, you got, you got to put on some size. And my coaches would try and get me to drink weight gainers and all these different things. And I just couldn't because my metabolism was ridiculous. But as soon as that stopped, as soon as I stopped playing baseball, my metabolism like shifted very fast. And that summer after I gained about 10 to 15 pounds and I realized, whoa, I can't eat like this any longer. My things have completely changed. My insulin sensitivity isn't what it used to be. And it really clicked for me like, hey, I'm heading down this this path and this downward spiral. I know what's what's happened to my family. I know a lot of the situations that my family members face on a daily basis and I don't want to go down that road at all. And so that's when I really started honing in and going, well, I really need to start paying attention to the foods that I'm eating, all these junk foods and and all this sugar that I'm consuming every single day. I drastically need to cut it back. And I kind of just went cold turkey one day and and really started realizing that there's a lot of different ways that you can make things enjoyable and sustainable, even when you have like a hardcore addiction, really like what I had. Whoa. Did you say you quit cold turkey? Did that work? (laughs) So so didn't. There was binges back and forth on it. It was was rough. It was absolutely rough. And over time, it took me a long, long time to realize and, and really understand, hey, like 
this is how you you can incorporate in uh, lower sugar options, not just hey you have to eat clean. You only have to eat meat, like meat and vegetables. Meat and vegetables. That's it. It took me a while to figure out how to incorporate back in certain foods that I enjoy because I was so afraid of going down that spiral again. I was like, if I have just one cookie, it's going to be 30 cookies uh, because that's what I, that's what I used to be able to handle. And it's taken me a while to really wrap my head in and understand around that, how I can make these alternatives and really incorporate it into a healthy lifestyle rather than this battle inside my head of, I'm just going down this rabbit hole of, I can't touch anything versus I'm going to binge on everything. Yeah, I can relate to the binge piece. And I think for me, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, not eating sugar, not eating sugar. And then I'd end up at the Dairy Queen takeout line. I don't even know what you call it. Drive through. That's it. Um, Drive through ordering like three blizzards and eating them all on my way home. Like, and I'm allergic to dairy. Like, and I would just be like, I just need all of the sugar. And it would be these binges that would happen. And I think for me, it was just finally realizing that food was just food. And it was neither good nor bad. I just chose not to eat sugar because it made me feel like garbage. That was sort of like the clicking moment. And you mentioned, you know, going back and forth and binging and saying that you finally found something that worked. What were some of those things? Like, did you find that making more low sugar treats yourself worked or allowing yourself to indulge once in a while? Or kind of where did you find your happy place? Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's a combination of both. So I started experimenting more. Now I absolutely love baking and and cooking because I like coming up with different recipes, not only for myself, but I actually just got my mom and dad on on keto finally. Um, So for them, my mom was the same way. So she loves these little snacks and these little treats. And so for me, I was like, well, it's personal yes for me but also finding things that are sustainable for them like if there's a recipe like cookies or brownies or cheesecake or anything like that i'm like you know what there's a way to make this where i don't have to use three cups of sugar and i can still make it taste i can make it keto i can make it taste incredible and friendly and for me i look at it as like a like ultimately it's like a science experiment. It's like, it's kind of like putting something together and saying, okay, well that didn't work. That either tasted terrible (laughs) or, or, you know what? It worked out. This is really good. I can have this uh, once in a while and it's, it, I'm not going to binge on it and I'm not going to be miserable about eating it and be like, oh, I I feel terrible because I ate that because it really is keto friendly in some regard. Yeah. What are your favorite like keto foods that help satiate that sugar kind of sweet tooth? Because I know that I don't know if I will ever not have a sweet tooth. It's definitely so much better, but I still, if I had a choice between salty or sweet, I would choose sweet every time. Awesome. (laughs) What are your favorite like go-to things? You know, uh, cookies, definitely. So like cookies are, are a big thing for me. I grew up eating the those like chewy soft chips ahoy cookies oh like, my gosh me too <laughs> oh my gosh those things were like every day i go through like people would say oh i'll just have one or two i'd eat like a sleeve every single night um so those and then also like cheesecake i used to almost after every baseball game used to go to the cheesecake factory and you get one slice of cheesecake there and it's like 5,000 calories and like 5,000 grams of sugar. (laughs) So it's like, it's crazy. But creating these alternatives, those two mainly have been really, real game changers, so to speak, for me of, of playing around with different recipes and then having these little, I think, treats every once in a while that I, that I'm enjoying. They're low carb. I use different flours. I I like to make a lot of them non-dairy because I have, I think I'm a little sensitive to it and I have friends and family members who don't handle it at all. So just playing around with different recipes, but those two definitely are my favorite. Nice. Uh, it's amazing that you have energy to cook and that's so cool. I, I always, I'm like a, I really like snacks that are packaged. <laughs> like I just, yeah. I just don't have the time. My favorite thing is coconut butter, artisana coconut butter. Anytime I'm craving something sweet, 
If I crack one of those open and grab a spoon and I choose the packets because if I have a jar, I will eat the whole jar. I just love it that much. So I get the packets and then I cut it open and enjoy that. And it always hits the spot. Always, always. So, and those are perfect for like on the go yeah. too, right? So so like we travel a lot. So it's finding those options as well that it is like, hey, you know what? Like I'm going into a meeting or hey, I'm traveling. I'm going to, to speak. But I don't want to sit down and grab like I love Cobb salads. I don't want to sit down and have like a huge Cobb salad. Uh, I got to get something quick. Grabbing something like that packet of coconut butter on the go is it's perfect for, for that type of environment. So for us two being as in love with sugar as we were, did you find that when you switched keto, all of a sudden the clouds parted, the angels sung, and you were no longer addicted to sugar? I mean, we kind of already chatted about this a little while ago, but I just want to kind of hone in on what was that process like for you? You started eating keto. It sounded like, you know, you were still trying to figure out, you know, what keto things will help my sugar cravings. I think a lot of people think, okay, I've been keto for five days. Why am I still craving sugar? <laughs> right. So my first experience, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but my first experience, because I had such intense sugar cravings, the first time I went keto, I'm like, great, this is awesome. I'm going to try and do this and have sweets for every single meal. And the first, I, I would create something called keto mousse. And it was basically like dark, unsweetened chocolate it was heavy cream. It was coconut oil and, and it, like some sweeteners inside of it and protein powder. And I had that like five times a day. And it was the worst experience I've ever had. <laughs> I went into it and I we were talking with like Dom D'Agostino at the time. I said, Dom, I said, I said, this keto thing, I was like, I feel horrible. Like, this is awful. I'm craving food. I'm eating like six times a day. And it was terrible. But it was because I tried to make it like so sweet all the time. It was the only thing I knew. I was probably never adapting. I was having so much cream. It was it was just awful. And so I eventually went back to the drawing board and was like, how do I really rewire this? And I really I started eating more whole foods, incorporating in things like that, and, and then started cooking and baking on my own. And soon I realized I was like, wow, my sugar cravings definitely went down. They absolutely did. But then there's always those times, like you, like you had mentioned, I'm still always going to have cravings for sugar. I'm still going to always walk uh, into a mall or down uh, or, or somewhere and smell cookies and be like, oh my gosh, like I wish I had cookies right now. <laughs> but it's finding those alternatives that really was the shift for me where I got active in the kitchen or I found alternatives that people are, are making already in packaged items that I could eat and, and can handle well that I knew weren't going to spike my glucose, weren't going to spike my insulin and still allow me to maintain this flexibility on a ketogenic diet. Brilliant. And I'll include a lot of the alternatives. I have like recipe roundups of cookies that are keto and fat bombs. And I have a keto mousse recipe that's dairy free. So I'll include all that in the show notes if people are like, but give me your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, so people can check those out. And how do you feel about fruit? Do you still incorporate that into keto at all? Or do you avoid it? Let's talk about fruit. Yeah, you know, so for, here, I was the worst eater growing up. So like, I, I'm, I feel like everyone's going to be like, wow, this guy is terrible. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm right there with you, dude. So, so I, this is how bad it was. Up until freshman year of high school, the only thing I ate for like my mom would pack me for school lunch every single day is cereal and milk. And it was all like I would eat either like Lucky Charms or Fruity Pebble, like anything that was cereal, I ate mainly for all of my meals. And so me growing up eating fruit like wasn't a thing. I, I was it was a texture thing. I didn't like it. If it wasn't cereal or like McDonald's or Wendy's, there was a very good chance that I wasn't eating it. So God bless my mom and my mom and dad for dealing with me during during that time and just handling handling all of that. But fruit, I've I've tried to actively start incorporating it uh, more so now that I'm, I'm really adapted, fat adapted since I've been on living this lifestyle for so long. I definitely realize a lot of the benefits of certain fruits, 
So now that my palate kind of ha has changed, I eat a lot of vegetables now, whereas before I never did. With fruit, it's kind of the same thing. I'm trying to incorporate in, well, obviously we know that avocado technically is a fruit. Uh, so I like, I like trying to incorporate, incorporating in that. But so, stuff like berries, like frozen berries, I'm tr I try and incorporate those more now than I ever have in the past. But that's really the only fruit that I try and incorporate in. Sometimes I'll do like a, a shake. I'll make like a little shake with some unsweetened almond milk, some MCTs, protein, and I'll try and throw some berries in there, some frozen berries. But that's really the extent of the fruit that, that I really incorporate in. Yeah, same with me. Would you consider a plantain a fruit? Is that technically a fruit too? Because sometimes... <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I really it, like that, plantains it, for my carb ups. <laughs> yeah, no, that, those are good. Those are really good. They're so good. Like the green ones, not the really, really ripe sugary ones, which is crazy because 10 years ago, I loved the sugary plantains. So I think, you know, <laughs> our conversation around that process, I think a lot of people, you know, are eating the way that we did, you know, Swedish fish and going to McDonald's and I knew exactly when cheeseburger day was I couldn't even maybe it was Thursdays at McDonald's <laughs> I don't remember but I would get that in a fruitopia and I would have that every Thursday and you know that was uh maybe 18 years ago now and it's taken me you know this long to get here so I think a lot of people th you know, hear podcasts of keto people and they're like, I have all my stuff together and I don't crave sugar anymore and all of these promises and they try it for five days and they're wondering why they're not experiencing that. It's a process and it sounds like that process is still something that you experience every day. If you smell cookies, you're like, I want a cookie. <laughs> exactly. And that's not keto. Um, and then your solution is really just breathing through that until you can get home and make a cookie or what do you do if you're I don't know at the mall and you smell a cookie and you're like oh now I'm hungry and I want cookies what do you do in that instance <laughs> that's a good good question usually I mean I have a good tolerance now where I can fight through it and you know the amazing thing is this I've come to a point now where like I can walk in a mall or even even in a candy store and say I'm with like friends and they're like hey let's go in here and I really in my head can now rationalize it and I'll, I'll walk into say a cookie store and be like, you know what, this smells great. This is, this is incredible. But I have alternatives that I make that literally in my, in my mind now, I think they taste just as good. And I'm like, well, I don't want to have to, I know the consequence of, of I'm going to be beating myself up over this and being like, this is terrible. Why did you have like 18 cookies from the store when you could have just came home and had one of your keto friendly ones or, or had one of the prepackaged options that are out there on the market now, it's like I can I can now have that control because it's been such a process over time where I'm like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for me to, to go into this store and, and binge and indulge where I know I can just get home, I'll be home in 15 minutes and I'll have one when I'm, when I'm there. And who knows, by the time I get home, I might not even want one any anymore by then. I might be onto something else. Mm, yeah, I think that that's really important. And just taking a step back, I do the same thing. It's like, yeah, those cookies smell really good. I mean, it's easier for me because I'm allergic to gluten and dairy. So I can't just be like, I'll just eat the cookies. So that's <laughs> definitely an extra layer of, I would say, like protection against those sort of instances. But you're totally right. You smell the cookies, you're like, I want the cookies. And then you're kind of thinking, okay, so if I ate those cookies, what would happen? Well, I would feel like garbage. My mind would be all muddled for three days. My stomach would hurt a whole bunch. I'd probably have to leave, you know, hanging out with my friends because I feel like a hot wreck. Is that worth it? And when you start to kind of piece it all together, you're like, actually, that cookie is not sounding so great to me right now. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Back to today's episode in a sec. Did you know it's possible to enjoy a glass or two of wine and stay in ketosis? Yeah, that's right. Dry Farm Wines is the first wine club that sources wines with zero sugar, so you can drink your wine and not compromise your ketones. Plus, Dry Farm Wines curates only the highest quality natural wines from small, sustainable family farms. Their wines are organic, dry farmed, and naturally low in alcohol with zero additives and zero carbs. Listeners of the podcast can add an extra bottle of wine to their first Dry Farm Wines order for just one 
one penny. Sign up for your first case now by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash wine. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all the details. Okay, back to today's episode. Let's science it a little bit and talk about artificial sweeteners. And that could include keto sweeteners. What are your thoughts on sweeteners? Which is your favorite? There's a lot of people talking right now about how stevia gives you, gives you cancer. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's chat about sweeteners. Yeah, you know, this is a big topic in the keto world. Definitely a big topic because everyone's trying to make alternatives. And now you're seeing so many products and, and companies launch with different things that have all of these different sweeteners inside of them. One of the things that first I, I think we, addressing like sugar alcohols is something that is very popular. And originally, if you go to any store, you go to like your local grocery store and you see all these sugar-free, sugar-free, sugar-free options, these candies, be very careful. Be extremely, extremely careful with them because a lot of them use sugar alcohol like sorbitol or maltitol. And not only do these sugar alcohols have a glucose response, so like maltitol, you actually get a glucose response, but it will absolutely destroy your stomach. Like if you've ever been, if you've ever been in like, oh, hey, you know what, you know what, I'm going to go to the movies with my friends. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've done this. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to the movies. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go grab the sugar-free yes. peanut butter cups over there. And then it's like, okay, I'm looking on the back of the package. It says 27 grams of carbs, but 26 of them are sugar alcohols. I'm like, oh, okay, so so one net carb, right? That's what they tell you. You just subtract it out. And next thing you know, I'm sitting in the movie theater, and I'm like, my stomach's just oh. like free. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening in there? And it's just the worst experience ever. So just be very, very careful of those. Yeah, I did the same thing with licorice at a movie with my mom. I was probably like 23 trying to like figure out the whole sugar thing. And I went to the superstore. I got some of that sugar-free licorice and I got through half the pack and then I missed the rest of the movie. (laughs) I was like, not right. (laughs) Okay, so note on those for sure. I avoid those like the plague. Yes, but there is one sugar, there's one sugar alcohol that is really, it's like keto friendly. It doesn't have a glucose response. It doesn't have very big impact on your on your GI for most people, um, and that's erythritol. And you're seeing that a lot more in in different products. Different products are starting to utilize it. It does have like a cooling sensation, so it feels like you kind of have like a little mint in in the back end of your throat. But one of my favorite sweeteners that I use for baking purposes when I'm when I'm doing all these different things is I use something called Swerve. And it's like a combination of erythritol, oligosaccharides, and, and just some natural flavoring. And it blends very easily for baking. It's got very low glycemic index, uh, virtually zero. So it's, it's not really having an effect on glucose. And people can tolerate it really well. And a word of caution for people with erythritol. If you're sensitive to corn, like really allergic to corn, or you're like super hardcore – with like avoiding grains, I'm pretty sure erythritol is not going to be good for you. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of that. And be very, very careful with where you're getting any of these things from. Um, um, because a lot of them do source them from like the, uh, the corn. And so people, like you said, that are very sensitive, I would avoid it like the plague as well. Like if you're sensitive like that, be very careful with that and stick with some of the more natural things like like a stevia or something like that. Brilliant. And also I learned I have a birch allergy and I've known this forever and I didn't know that xylitol was sourced from birch and that I would even react to it. And every time I'd have, you know, like my sugar-free mints or things like that, it had xylitol and then my throat would get all weird and my mouth would get itchy. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, yeah, it's because it's sourced from birch. So note for that too. And what are your thoughts on monk fruit? Do you use it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Let's talk. Yeah. So monk, I love, I like monk fruit. The challenge with monk fruit um, is, uh, and this is another thing that people just need to be careful of and make sure that they're getting it from the right source is that monk fruit it ultimately comes from uh, the fruit. It's an, it's an extract from that, but it, there can be a lot of 
contaminants with some of the like cheaper versions that you find like online or on like you're just like an Amazon. So there's a lot of things that can come along with monk fruit. Like we've tested it out. We've tested out different monk fruits and you'll see like different strains and, and certain bacteria that shouldn't be in there that are in a lot of the monk fruits just because it hasn't been extracted properly. So get it, making sure you're getting a good source. It's a great sweetener. A lot of people like it for its sweetness uh, is, is a really good profile. But as long as you're getting a high quality source, I think people that enjoy it can definitely utilize it. I had no idea about that. So that's a really good tip. Thank you so much. Do you have a favorite like brand that you use for monk fruit that you know is safe? Um, I don't, I don't have one I use all the time. I, it's really just the thing I look at is sometimes, and this is a challenge with any thing. It's like, usually if it's super, super cheap, there's a reason why it's super, super cheap. Um, but that doesn't mean because something's really expensive that it's better by any means. It's just kind of just doing your the research, finding out like, hey, wh- how what's your extraction process like? Like, is it what 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 do you guys utilize? What do you guys do? And I tend to stay away from it a lot myself, just because there's very few that I'm I would probably trust. But the, I'm definitely there's there are some out there that do do the right process and do it the right way. Okay, cool. I'm gonna say I'm about ninety five percent positive that Lacanto monk fruit is like really really awesome i've met the owners and they seem like they have their stuff together but i'll do more research but that's the one that i use and it's not cheap so that's a good good one companies like that that you know that are out there one that are out there number one and that are educating about their monk fruit or about just any sweetener in general that they have like companies that are willing to go out there and and provide that education you know they're probably doing the right thing yeah i love that and thoughts on the whole stevia cancer thing do you have any thoughts on that (laughs) yeah i mean here's with stevia i think i mean people are always going to say it doesn't matter if it's if it's artificial sweeteners, if it's stevia, if it's anything, there's always going to be this correlational research that people will probably pull at some level going, well, people that tend to take in stevia tend to have higher rates of cancer. And the argument I always make against this correlational research that people people present is you can make the same argument for anything. You can make the same argument for I – can, I can make the same argument and say ice cream – makes people murderers. And you're like, what? Like, how does that happen? Well, if we look at the consumption of ice cream, that tends to go up in the summer. And murders tend to also be high in the summer. So you can make the correlation that ice cream causes people to become murderers. But we all know that that's not the case. <laughs> and and that's just correlational data. And that's the same thing that happens with a lot of these studies that go, oh, this causes cancer. It's like, well, it really doesn't. It's it's correlational. It's people who may tend to eat more of this tend to have higher cancer, but there's 18 bajillion other things that could be going on that could be leading to that that cancer in some aspect. Yes. Something that I repeat to myself, and I'm not even kidding, probably 10 times a day is correlation isn't causation. I yes. That is like what I live by. <laughs> and it's so that. poetic and it's so perfect. And I remind myself of it constantly. And something I think we also have to do in our health. And I do the same thing. Just because one thing happened doesn't mean that it was caused by this. There's so many variables, even when it comes to your own health, that you need to think of. Something that a lot of people don't know or understand, and I'd love to chat about it a little bit, is the insulin response that we get when we have certain types of sugars. Like, for example, if a sugary sweet thing touches your lips or your tongue specifically, your insulin can be increased. Do you know if that's with all types of sweeteners or just certain types or just sugar? Do you know? Yeah, no, that's a really, really great point. It can happen with several different things. They haven't done research on every single sweetener, but you do with a lot of these sweeteners, there's there's sweet receptors in the brain that as soon as it does touch the tongue, you will get a mild uh, insulin or glucose release. The degree of that definitely depends on the sweetener how much of the sweetener you're using and then what you're using alongside the sweetener. The one thing I'll say, I, I say about artificial sweeteners is 
if people opt for that, if you're going to utilize artificial sweeteners and, and, and you're okay with that, um, that's, that's your choice. The one thing I recommend to people is go with the raw versions. If you like, no matter what, just don't consume the packets. Um, where you see you see them at diners, you see them at restaurants, and if you're like, you know what, well, I'm going to put some Splenda into my packet, like carry around or find like a raw alternative. The reason being is those packets, the amount of artificial sweetener, the sucralose or the aspartame or whatever's in those sweeteners is like 2%. The other 98% are fillers, which is like maltodextrin and dextrose, which is which ultimately is sugar. And so I've seen people and I've known people like this in the past who don't care about utilizing artificial sweeteners. They're like, cool. And they'll put like 10 packets in something. And I'm like, well, 10 packets and 98% of those 10 packets are like maltodextrin or dextrose. You're definitely going to get a glucose or insulin response because now you're, you literally have a, a several grams of sugar that you're utilizing at that point. And it becomes very dangerous. So uh, I would just tell people if they are going to opt for that, raw versions rather than mixed with all fillers and sugar and all kinds of stuff. I hope you're totally digging this episode. I love putting these together every week and I hope you're getting something out of it. I love seeing where you're listening from. So next time you're listening or even right now, take a picture of yourself watching the show or a screenshot of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram at healthful pursuit. And if social isn't your thing, that's totally fine. Just jump on your favorite podcast player and leave a review for the show. Okay, back to the good stuff. Love it. Another thing that people eat that has sugar in it is alcohol or, you know, alcoholic beverages or it spikes up certain processes or gets us out of ketosis. Do you drink alcohol? You know, so sometimes I will. I'll go out with friends and I keep it very mild and moderate now. I'm, my my college years are, are over with the the fun and the craziness that happened then. But I always just try and keep it in in moderation. I'm a big wine guy. I absolutely love red wine. Um, And I love having like a glass of red wine with like a meal, like a a nice dinner that I have. And one of the things is be careful on the choice of of alcohol if you are going to indulge in it. If you aren't, that's even better yet. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna just go and not have any, that's incredible. That's great. But if you are be very cautious of the type, the quantity, of course, um, of the of the alcohol. Staying away from dark. If you're a beer person, I don't like beer at all. It's weird. I, I, I don't. It's weird. I don't know. I just don't like beer. But stay away from the. <laughs> so yeah, stay away from the dark beers. Um, those tend to be have a lot more carbohydrates. They are making some now, which is interesting to see. And I think this is how the entire keto world and the conversation is taking not only the food industry but the alcohol industry by storm is you're seeing a lot more companies like call out like only two grams of carbs in this beer and I'm like oh that's interesting um, that they're finally starting to at least bring that out but stay stay away stay like with things like those and then also if you're gonna go with more hard alcohol make sure it's straight or mixed with water and then utilize like your own sweetener. Just keep it like a, like a in with water. Like people that I know that are keto will go out and have like a vodka water and they'll be completely fine the next day. They won't be really knocked out and, and they'll just kind of get back on track. So I think it's whatever you would like to incorporate into your lifestyle. There's just, it's very easy with alcohols to not even know that something has a lot of sugar. And then you, you, you go out and say, have a drink or two with friends or coworkers and you wake up the next day feeling horrible, not, not from a hangover, but just because you got knocked out of ketosis because you had sugar with that. So it's just being very aware and very cautious of that. Mm, Yeah. Brilliant. And some thoughts on that. Have you heard of dry farm wines? Yes. Those guys are incredible. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily drink. I stopped drinking for almost 10 years just because I have a very addictive personality. And um, I just started drinking-ish again. But I'm of the thought, like, maybe if I'm out and I really, really feel like a drink, like when we were moving, 
I had a cider, like, because I just needed a cider. But I think what can oftentimes happen, and I see this a lot, is that people have a drinking habit. And when they go keto, they drink and they find the okay wines, but they're still drinking and they're not, maybe they're plateauing and they're not feeling good. And they're like, I'm sure it's the wine, but I can't stop. And that's, I think, very similar to what we experienced with sugar of it being an addiction. And it might not be an addiction of the actual item, but an addiction, you know, around alcohol and there's this habit that's formed, like you have a hard day at work, you go home, you crack open a bottle of wine, you pour it, you sit and you enjoy it. And what do I fill that space with? And I think it's the same thing with sugar. And you know, you were saying when you got back to your dorm, you're like shoving candy in your face. Like, what do you do if you had a bad day and you don't have candy? Do you see that even with your sugar craving? And how have you, you know, manipulated that to fill your life with other things? Yeah, no, this is a huge, huge point. You know, a lot of that. So a lot of times when I realize my cravings and I would try and fill, ultimately it's filling some type of void. So the way I, the way I would do it is one, I'd make myself busier. So I'd be like, you know, what? if I'm sitting at home on a Saturday, like, and, and I have nothing to do, I'm, I'm bored. I know for a fact I'm going to go up to that cabinet and I'm going to start eating this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, what am I? And then the next thing you know, I'm like sitting on the couch. I'm like, what did I just do? Like, what, <laughs> what did I just go through? But getting myself busier is is something like that I try and do more and more, get out. And I'm not going to indulge and, and, and snack every five seconds when I'm out with friends or family. And the other thing that's made a huge impact for me um, is I've always been active, but exercising more, even not if it's like, oh, I have to go to the gym and work out. But something I love doing now is walk, like just taking walks, like take a walk and listen to your podcast um, or take a walk and, and listen to a new TED talk that just came out. Like not only is it, it, am I learning, but it's like I'm getting out, I'm moving. And then when I get back home, have to like that craving, identifying it and coming to terms with it, it's, it's likely gone at that point. And I'm like, wow, like I could have just indulged and beat myself up about it for the next couple of days because of the damage that I just did. Or I just took a quick walk, 10 to 15 minutes out of my day, learned something on a podcast or something like that. And that craving's gone by the time I got home. Yeah. It's like getting yourself out of that spiral and neutralizing the situation. I do the exact same thing. I actually, when I really get into it and I really want to do something, I know that I'm not going to feel good about or that I'm not going to feel good after. I have like a list on my phone, things to do when you're going down a spiral. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at that list and I just choose one and I do that. It's like, you know, having a hot bath or going for a walk, going paddle boarding, playing with my dogs outside, just like, distracting yourself from it. If I listen to nutrition stuff, it doesn't work. It has to be like a comedy podcast or just something else um, to just completely get myself out of the funk. But yeah, that's, that's a really good, that's a really good practice. So thanks for sharing that. So there goes another episode. Let's chat a little bit more about um, your book before we end today's uh, call. Tell us a little bit more about it and where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you were a huge inspiration for it. Uh, absolutely. So I absolutely love your book and everything you put together. And we just tried to help expand and build upon every, all the greatness that you put out in, in that we took a lot of uh, like we and one of my favorite aspects of it is talking about the history. Um, that was one of my favorite chapters writing in the entire book was realizing how we got to where we are at, not only just personally, but as a society is how did we know about these problems with sugar and, and all the complexities that come along with it? And why did it, why did we get these low fat recommendations and how did we get to where we're at today? Where thanks to people like you and, and a lot of our friends and thought leaders in the industry are now kind of bringing keto back. It's kind of back in it's mainstream. So that and then also the science behind it and really figuring out all the different applications that it has. I mean, your story is incredible. We have colleagues like Dr. Mary Newport who utilized it for uh, her husband with Alzheimer's. Like we talk a lot about that in the book and 
cancer, epilepsy, traumatic brain injury, like all these different applications that we're studying and our colleagues are studying and really just fine tuning how you can take that and then apply it for, for yourself, your family, a loved one, or someone you care about, because it's really about getting this message out to the masses. And so we really just tried to take that, take scientific principles and then make them, digest them, friend, digester friendly, take them and make them easily understood. And you have accomplished that wonderfully. So thank you so much for putting it together. And we'll include a link to your book in the show notes. And where can people find you? Do you have an Instagram channel or anything? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Instagram, it's Ryan P. Lowry. Um, My middle name is Patrick. So Ryan P. Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y. And on Facebook, just Ryan Lowry. And one of the one of the amazing things that I love, I think we had connected on Instagram as well, is this community is so incredible. I love interacting, talking, answering with people. It's like it's the fuel. It's what gets us up. Yeah, I know you're the same way. It's what gets us up early in the morning. It's what keep, keeps us up late is hearing stories, helping people live out their mission, not only for themselves, but the people that they're trying to help and inspire. So interact, reach out, anything that that I could do to help, I'm more than more than happy to do. Yes, it's so true. I follow over 5000 people on Instagram. And like, I actually enjoy following all of those people. And they're all keto. And I just love interacting with them. So I think that's so true. And I really appreciate all the work you're doing in the field of keto and nutrition. We'll make sure to include all of the recipes and sweeteners and things that we chatted about in today's episodes. You can get it all in one place. And thanks again for coming on the show, Ryan. Oh, thank you, Leanne. It was an honor. Thanks again to Ryan for sharing his wealth of knowledge. I always enjoy chatting with him. So that's it for today. And I hope you take some time to enjoy the last bits of 2018. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 